Hi there. Thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Taste with Sherry, where we're saving the earth one flavor at a time by gathering community to share wisdom around the natural connections between our innate sense of taste and flavors that are grown in healthy, regenerative soils. Welcome. Hey there, Sherry Hess with The Flavor Remedy. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Let's Talk Taste with Sherry, saving the earth one flavor at a time. Okay. Ooh, creepy. It's Halloween. And at Halloween, we get to talk about scary things like death and dying and skeletons. And then Halloween's over, and then all of a sudden, we're all freaked out about talking about death again. And in my work, when I talk about earth and life and the reverence to the food and growing food, it's really just a conversation about the cycles of death and life. And today, I'm really excited because we kind of have a combo thing going on here. We are combining my amazing guests that I get to bring on my show with the Thich Nhat Hanh series about how to eat. And we're going to choose an amazing chapter of this book to discuss death and dying and the reverence that it has to nature and to the cycles of life and to our planet. So welcome to a not so spooky Halloween edition of Let's Talk Taste with Sherry, where I have many special guests today. I have three guests today. I have Erin Morelli and Lauren Carroll of the Death Wives. The Death Wives is an organization that wants to educate you and to bring reverence to um, to the conversations of death and dying and give you options and to understand um, what our choices are when we reach the end of our lives. I mean, we're all going to get there someday. So their work with the death wives is really important. And I also have Eric Rooney, who is a earth steward at Half Moon Farms. And um, the three of them are going to have a conversation with me about death and dying and the cycles of life. So welcome to the show. Wow, welcome, you guys. I'm so excited to have all of you here. This is like my first big panel of guests. It's it's pretty, uh, it's a little overwhelming. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm excited. This is going to be so fun and easy conversation to have. Um, so let's just dive right in. I... I feel like this is such a reverent conversation for so many reasons. Erin and I have been friends for a long time, and I have um, such a just respect for what she does, for her heart, for what she's bringing into the world with the Death Wives. And she and Lauren, Lauren, give us a wave, <laughs> have created this beautiful service around death and dying and bringing important conversations around those things. And then we have Eric Rooney here as well, who is the Earth Steward, I love that title for you, by the way, of Half Moon Farms. And you might be like, well, what do death and gardening and flavor of all things have in common? Well, it just so happens that I have this beautiful book that we have talked about before on my show, How to Eat with Thich Nhat Hanh. 
And I'm going to start this conversation off by reading this chapter, because this is exactly what ties the conversation of death and dying and gardening and eating into the conversation. So here we go. This chapter is called The Ancestors in, our, in the Soil. The, our ancestors are in the soil. That nut, fruit, vegetable, or grain that you eat has pulled up nutrition from the soil in order to grow. In the soil are many people who have died, have been transformed, and have become part of the soil. Maybe in this mouthful of rice are also the bones of many hundreds of generations, as well as many dead leaves, worms, and animal bones. Maybe in a previous life, you had been there and died there, and your own bones have disintegrated in that land. During the time of eating, your practice is to look deeply into that grain of rice and enjoy all that has gone into its creation. There are so many things to enjoy and to discover in each bite. Now, on that note, I am so excited to have each of you here. What I would love to do to start off this conversation, um, Erin is the, is the reason that you're all here because she and I are friends, but what I love is how you all weave into this story together. So Erin um, and Lauren, will you just give us like a little brief history of the Death Wives and what the purpose of the Death Wives is? Yeah, absolutely. The Death Wives is um, the, the, the environmental love child of Lauren and I, and we're focused on education. So we both offer services outside of Death Wives, but within the scope of Death Wives, we're trying to offer a community level, very accessible education for people to understand the scope of death and the things that they might be up against when somebody that they love dies or since we all die when it's their turn and so bringing this information to people in a way that's not intimidating but really kind of approachable and, and even beautiful and sacred so that we can contemplate these things and make choices before we die um, and then we break that down into categories. So we do some training for death doulas. We teach people how to have home funerals. We do a lot of stuff around ceremony and the spiritual aspect of it. And then as it applies to this today, also the environmental aspect of, of death and dying, because it is a large imprint that we make uh, in the traditional funeral industry. So the three of us here today are all part of what we might call the more uh, community-based um, you know, community, the, the progressive death community rather than the traditional. Progressive death community. That's awesome. I love that. Rather um, than the traditional funeral industry. Yeah. And just because I know a little bit of your personal history, Erin, and I understand um, you have a lot of just, you've always been so sacred about death and you've experienced a lot of death in, in your, in your life, right? As, as part of your story and part of what why you're so passionate about what you're doing. Um, can you give me just a little piece of what that looks like? And then I wanna kind of hear uh, Lauren's aspect, you know, her take on that as well. Yeah, well, I think that most of us who work in any part of this of this community uh, do so because we felt a strong calling to do that. And, and usually that strong calling hit us early on. For me, it was in childhood. You know, I was only four or five years old when I started to really be you know consumed with a lot of thoughts around the afterlife and you know if i'm sitting here playing with my barbies who's sitting here playing with me and where do i come from and kind of all of these esoteric 
concepts. Um, and, and then that was followed by a progression of a lot of death and loss in my personal life. And life was graceful. It started out with what might be considered smaller losses, like great grandparents I didn't know well, opportunities to kind of practice, and then elevating into really um, tragic and tremendous losses. And when that happened, there was such such a hole of community, you know, I was actively looking for places where I could relate this information to other people who were experiencing it or learn more or, you know, grief can be a very active thing. So you're you're seeking when you're in that space sometimes. And I found that there was nothing, you know, the best I could do was like the spiritual aisle on, on the at the bookstore and sit there and and read the books and cry for hours. Um, I couldn't find community. And this was back in the day before we were all on social media all the time. So that in and of itself has created a lot of spaces that didn't used to exist when I was experiencing it. But I wanted that to change. You know, grief is such a collective experience. And when we don't have a space to process grief and we don't have people to talk to about it, it can really easily turn into things like addiction and anger and mental health issues and you know, so we wanted to create a space where we're like, hey, we're all going through this. Let's talk about it. Right. It's kind of as, it's important as like sex education. Like what if we didn't and not not saying we do a great job of that either. But what if we didn't do that? And then the kids were like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Why don't we talk about death? Why do we wait until somebody is having a crisis and doesn't have the capacity to think about what best practices might look like? Um, you know, before they become educated about this stuff. So we, we want them to go in with more knowledge and, and then receive more support. I love that. So how did you meet Lauren? I met Lauren because when on that exhaustive search, she was she was the queen. She was the one that I found. She, <laughs> I called you a queen, Lauren, because in your background, you've got this butterfly picture that is golden and it looks like a crown behind your head. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> so um, Lauren, what's your background and how did you, how did you become so passionate about this topic? Um, so kind of like Erin, you know, I always say, what's your grief? Like, what's your tragedy that got you into death work? Like she said, so I had the loss when I was a teenager as well. And I, I always was fascinated with death and dying until it actually happened in my family. And then I was like, nope, I don't like you. I'm not a friend of you at all. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went into this more internal relationship with death of fearing it until I ended up working at a funeral home due to a high school boyfriend at the time. And it was in that situation where I saw, okay, death is bigger than me death affects everybody. Everybody has this grief that isn't going anywhere. So as I continued working in a funeral home and then being a funeral director, um, I just saw such a huge disconnect of like our relationship with death and our relationship with the dead um, and everything that happens after that from like Aaron said, we really focus on ceremony and rituals because that's where we really start processing this grief. Um, but it was also why as a funeral director that I was like, why do we do it this way? Like I, I saw documentaries and, and met with people and it was like, you don't have to. I didn't realize that you didn't have to be involved and I was a funeral director. <laughs> yeah. And so that became a passion within itself of telling people like, you don't have to put these chemicals in your body. It's not required. Like, and not even realizing then that it really was this environmental aspect, but more of like, why would you try and desecrate the body? Like keep them whole, we don't need to do this. Like, 
Um, and it was also during that time that I learned that you could do shroud burials, which is really what I've always wanted. Um, you know, being raised Catholic, we, the, the shroud of Jesus and that kind of thing. I mean, it was just this full circle. So I really became passionate about educating the community itself to care for their dead, because that's how it's always been until, you know, more recently in the last 7,500 years, which isn't that long in the spectrum of the human, the human scale that we've lived on this earth. So it was really just reminding people just because a business says that this is the way it's done, it's actually not done that way. And there's no law that says it needs to be done that way. And let's talk about it now before, like Aaron said, you're in this crisis mode of like, oh my gosh, my mom just died. What do I do? Oh, I called the funeral home that my neighbor told me about. And then I purchased the steel casket and this concrete vault and put mom in that and don't even think about it until 10 years later where they come to one of our death wives classes and go, oh no, you know, right. we don't want, we don't want people saying, oh no, anymore. Or like <laughs> having this after the fact grief, we want people to know beforehand, you know, all the different options that they have and just supporting them and giving them education and a space to grieve, like Aaron said too. Yeah. I love that. And there's so much sacredness to all of it, right? There's so much sacredness to um, like your business is called the death wives and um, just to kind of give the audience a little bit of a, a, an insight into that, if you think about a, a midwife, right? So the, that's like a plan word from a midwife, right? The midwives bring life into the world. Death wives help to, to carry souls out of the world, right? And, that, and this is what I always say, like on my deathbed, I want Erin there with me because she's always had reverence for that, right? Always had reverence for taking you back out of, and we're all going there, right? I love that you want to bring natural conversation, bring this into like more normal conversation, give people options because you're right. We're so afraid to talk about it that we do exactly what you just said, Lauren, where somebody dies, you call them up. And then in our minds as even, and like, I think about my mom and people that I know want to choose current cremation techniques, right? Fire cremation by fire. We all think that this is that the classic term ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and we're going to become a flower. And this is where Eric comes in, right? Like Eric is the earth steward of Half Moon Farms. And he has come into this because of his sacredness around this. So tell us your background, Eric. How did you get involved with these beautiful ladies? And, and tell me about the tie-in here, because I know this is sacred work for you as well. Sure. I met Lauren and Aaron through Emily Nelson of Beatrice Cremation. Um, and really how I got involved was being able to return um, this liquid, this effluent back to the earth in the most dignified um, space and manner. So um, Emily and I joined teams as business partners um, in the early, early year of 2020. Um, and began to look at how we were going to do this ethically um, because we were paving the road there. There wasn't all these other options and other businesses to consider. Um, and at this time, Half Moon Farm wasn't even a thought. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I have a few different businesses and one of those businesses and personas is Rooney Bloom um, and that I would do educational classes and sustainable approaches to landscape design could be externally and internally. And so I was teaching a homemade incense making class um, where I was connected with Emily Nelson 
and she reached out a few months later as um, bringing, coming on the team as a conservation advisor of how can we rehabilitate uh, lands that have been destroyed by forest fires or invasive species with what we've already got, and that's us. Um, and for me, this, you know, this thing keeps popping up of, of this, it's ego, um, it's this separation that we are better than the earth and or animals and therefore we put we should be put in a box in the ground because you know it's fancy we're fancy um so as I, fancy. <laughs> as I, I as i explored this more i really became connected to more like i am dirt um i am the wind i am the dust i am the seeds um, and it's like, just like the Thich Nhat Hanh, right? Like what he's saying is so true. And we've, I, I just, sorry, I know I cut you off, but there's, there's a couple of things I want to throw in here real quick is that first of all, you're talking about the, the, um, the water cremation, which is something I will have to have Emily back on the show another time, but this process of water cremation is a new thing, right? This is, it's a fairly new process, but what it is, well, maybe I shouldn't explain what it is. Why don't you explain to us what water cremation is and how, because this is the tie-in that you have with Emily, right? And, sure. and where you're doing the work to, um, to bring the land back. Yeah, so water cremation um, is one of the most sustainable ways to honor a loved one at this point. Um, we reduce the body down to a liquid and skeleton. Um, and then all of that liquid comes to the farm and that's how we nourish the plants. And I taught middle school science for six years. And so I think also part of my brain is looking at this big rock we live on called earth and how it's all been natural. Um, of course, then you put humans on there and then we begin to get away from what is natural. Um, and because we're fancy. <laughs> we are fancy. Um, and I'm actually taking the death doula certification with Lauren and Aaron right now and something that you know, Aaron mentioned, I think it was Aaron mentioned in class the other day was that the water we're drinking is the water that our ancestors drank. It's the water that the dinosaurs drank. It's the water that's always been here and will forever be. And it is our job and responsibility to make sure that we leave it as we found it. But years and years and years ago, before the Civil War Industrial Revolution, you know, what were these ways that were kept natural and that were preserved with the most integrity? And so we bring the liquid over to the farm. Um, we have it tested um, often to ensure that what we are putting back into the soil is going to be conducive for all the microbes and uh, nematodes and all of the, the different bacterias and, and little animals and creatures in the soil to be able to break that down to continue the health um, of our lands. And when you look at farming across the country, it's monocultures. We, we're growing corn and soybeans. Um, I spent 17 hours in a car yesterday and all I saw was corn and soybeans. And um, for me, you know, we're really doing damage. And I think that's because that ego, we're separating ourselves and saying, we are better than nature. We are higher than nature. We deserve to be here instead of here. But when I think, when you look at it, like we're all equal, um, kind of like some of these themes in religion, we're all created equal, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We are all equal, and that includes nature and animals. And, and I think when we drop that ego, we can see, why wouldn't we go back to the earth in this right. most sustainable way? Why, 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 why I don't want to be chemicals? Why, is, why do we have laws protecting against litter bugs 
yet we are pumping all these chemicals into the ground in these massive spaces. Um, it's, it's something that I just don't, I think the reason why Lauren and Aaron are here and not a part of their purpose on this earth is to just bring that consciousness to people and say, hey, what are we doing here? Um, and, and I think most humans would agree like, oh yeah, that's weird. Um, why would I do that? I don't know. Oh, because I've never heard of anything else. Oh, oh right. because we've never talked about it. Because we don't want to talk like about Seth that, said, right? Yeah. yeah. No we talk about, about that at Halloween when we put costumes on and we pretend to scare people. And it's like, it's, it's, this is what I wanted to do a Halloween episode because we can talk about death and people are like, Ooh, what's this? Right. And they think they're going to watch a horror thing, but really this is reverence, right? This is sacred work that you're all doing. And I, I so love this. And I love your farm is gorgeous, Eric. I love it. I love those mammoth flowers that you grow. Um, it's it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love so much about the connection that you all have, the sacredness that you all put into this. And it's true. Like we are nature. We are here, you know, with these developed brains that that we could be doing so much good. And, you know, capitalism gets in the way and industrialism gets in the way. And we as humans think we figure out better ways to do things. And like you say, we put ourselves on this pedestal that we're more important than the rest of nature. And these are all things that we just, you know, in the environment that we're in right now, I think we're getting knocked down a few pegs. And it's really, I think, um, important for us to be like, yeah, like this is just there's so much importance to the cycle of life and death, right? And I also want to say, you know, my, my show is about flavor, like flavor saving the earth, like the reverence to the earth is really a big part of what I'm talking about here. And this is a little bit of a, 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 a unusual, different conversation, right? We're talking about water cremation as this new way of being able to, um, Give treat back your body, right? <laughs> to treat your body at the end of life, to bring it back to a place where it has nutrients that, that will actually allow you to become a flower, to allow you to return to the earth in a way that's reverent to the earth and also reverent to your body. Um, and, and, and it's important here, and this is more of a logistical thing that I want to just clarify here because we're not taking this liquid essence, you, not me, we, as if, as if, as if I'm part of your farm, Eric. <laughs> you are not taking this, this liquid essence and putting it on food. Like this is, I just wanna be very clear about this. Even though I talk about food and flavor, right now, this is not something that you can legally do, nor are you practicing that. However, what you're doing by returning nutrients to the soil and, and your tree, you're taking care of the soil, right? And, and as a result of taking care of the soil, which is what I talk about with food all the time, how soil is what ultimately will heal us all. That's really powerful. And it's, I just want to um, kind of bow to you for being brave and for um, teaming up with, with Emily, you know, from Be a Tree Cremation and embracing this process as this kind of edgy and yet totally common sense thing, right? That we are just returning our, we are part of nature. Like this is a conversation we should be having um, and, and really carrying into the bigger picture of not only the environmental aspect, um, 
and just to kind of recap that too, I think between the 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 water cremation and um, Lauren talked about shrouding, human shrouding, right? That that's would that be what you would say is the human composting aspect? Um, no, so that's human different. composting is okay. Yeah, is different. It's literally like if if you have a compost, which I'm guessing a lot of your followers <laughs> do, um, it's the same exact idea of putting. We put the human body in a chamber um, and then there's alfalfa and wood chips are added to it. And the heat element is ourselves, our physical body, all of those living microbes in our gut that heat up after we die. And then a small amount of water occasionally and then just turning it like we would with that's compost. Literally like my compost bin. And at the end of the process, that's what you have. There is no more skeleton or, you know, human DNA, anything. It's literally earth. And um, it's now legal in three states in the United States, including Colorado now, which is really exciting. And we had um, the first body put into a chamber just two weeks ago. So we had our first process started here in the state. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So amazing. So amazing what you guys are doing. I just, I love it. Um, Ron and I, my director, always talk about how my guests justify my existence. So every time I have a guest on the show, you know, there's always something about the message that circles back to justifying what I'm trying to put out there in the world. And the three of you are just, again, beautiful examples of that and beautiful examples of how we can think of ourselves as a part of nature and this continuing cycle of, of life and death, right? And people are going to think it's weird that we're talking about human composting and water cremation. But if, if we can all stop and, and, and look back on this idea that we think we're fancier than earth, right? I love that, I love that phrase, Eric. I'm going to use that over and over. We're fancier than, than nature, which is just really, really bizarre when you think about it. So when you think about when people think that they're going through this regular cremation process and they're, they're becoming a flower and they're truly just not because that process doesn't add, have leave any nutrients left in the ashes, right? I'm kind of paraphrasing for you guys, but if we could see ourselves as this part of earth and, and if we truly want to give back to the earth, working with, you know, with you makes that a possibility. And on that note, I just want to add that a lot of people have this misconception that fire cremation is a more earth-friendly option because you're not taking up the space in a cemetery and it's actually can't be further from the truth. Fire cremation is actually very bad for our environment, um, very bad for the ozone. The amount of um, natural gases that have to be used to cremate just one body and then everything in our body. So if they had mercury fillings, that's going directly into the ozone around us. That's why if you ever search for a crematory, you're not going to find one in a residential area. They have to be far away and removed because they can't have houses around that because there are toxins that will affect people. So there's that part. And then like you just said, what remains, those ashes, there's no nutrients in it. So when people think that they can bury those ashes in a rose, you know, for a rose bush and, and grandmas will be part of that rose bush forever. Rooney 
or Eric can attest to this, that that will kill the rosebush. <laughs> it will not give any uh, life-sustaining nutrients. So that whole, that's part of our education of death wives is kind of like, hey, you know, you may have heard that fire cremation is, is a better choice than traditional burial, which if you think of traditional burial as, you know, an embalmed body in a steel casket and concrete in the ground, yes. But in the long-term spectrum, no, not at all. And in Colorado, it's about 76% of people are choosing fire cremation. So even if we could shift that percentage to all do water cremation, can you imagine how much they're giving back to the earth? How many half moon farms we could have or have Rooney or, sorry, Eric, I've called you Rooney for so long. I'm so sorry. Eric <laughs> can have, you know, thousands of acres of farms <laughs> even that more be public awesome? spaces you know even more public spaces yeah, to enjoy yeah. as communities we yeah. spend a lot of uh, federal funds and government funds on creating these beautiful parks when you can drive around town and see all these cemeteries with marble headstones um, that you know they're a little bit different so if we could change the way that we look at and separating ourselves and looking at us as a cycle, you know, we're all part of the cycles. You are what you eat and you are what you eat eats too, right? So we are the flowers. I am a flower. Yeah. I am made up of flowers. I eat flowers, you know, all these types of things we're already eating and putting in our bodies. It goes back to that fancy part. We're separating ourselves mm -hmm. saying, well, you know, we're a little bit different here. We're a little bit different here when really ask any scientist. Our genetic makeup is the same of, as what you're going to find out in nature. It's the bark, it's the soil, it's the, the microbes, all, all the bacteria. It's all part of that cohesive universal um, earth. We're all part of the same rock. Yep. And I love that. And, and you know what, I think what people miss out on a lot too is, is that people don't understand farming. Right? They don't understand this reverence of the soil. They don't understand anything except for the fact that they think they're supposed to, that it's all about a chemical balance, right? And this is part of what um, fertilization and, you know, herbicides and pesticides and all the stuff that we think we have to like chemically control around the soil when what's missing and what has happened in the degradation of our soils, you know, in growing food and, um, and flowers and everything else is, is it's life. It's about life in the soil. And well, what the reciprocity, right? The yeah. reciprocity is required for balance. And so we are taking, 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 taking from the earth our entire lives. We're, we're consuming the earth in, in so many ways. And what are we ever giving back that we are actually giving back? You know, you talk about getting pesticides or fertilizers, they're chemicals, and they're also not coming from you, right? Those are other resources being derived in other ways to then kind of put over here and serve this. So our body is the only thing that we can really give back as a way of like saying, thank you for feeding me my entire life. Now I am going to feed you. Yeah. Right. I love that. And and from a chemical standpoint or from a scientific breakdown standpoint of what we are, I, I don't, I, I'm going to let Eric speak to this a little bit, but like we've allowed our, our brains to get in the way of weirdness of these kinds of things. But when you break it down scientifically, we're just carbon beings, right? Like I'm guessing we're pretty perfect at returning nutrients to the earth. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think um, I think there is a slight shift in how we're showing up as far as food production in this country. Um, 
most of our farmland in the United States of America is farmland for animals. It's not for feeding humans, it's for feeding all the meat that we consume. Um, and so, yes, in theory, you know, our genetic makeup, the, the literalness of our bones and our body and our flesh is, it's organic. It's the best fertilizer. It's what these mass commercially producing fertilizer agencies are trying to replicate. It's what we've got. We already have it. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's already here. We've already got it, except I think um, it, we're going back to fancy. It's, it's humans being bored. We want to do something else. We want to manipulate another variable so we can see this. And, um, you know, as we get further away from natural foods and we talk about GMOs and all these things that are happening across our country, we're seeing some shifts in um, not only how we think of ourselves, but also how we think about how we consume, um, how we, what we legally allowed to be on the shelves in our grocery stores that we know actually causes death and a lot faster than eating um, in different ways. And so I think there's a lot of things happening in 2021 and in 2020 and 2022, just in how we are showing up and, and looking at ourselves and, and that separation. And um, it's lovely. I'm a part of it. I'm in it right now, mentally, myself. Um, and I think as we begin to question more, ask questions more, we have folks like Lauren and Aaron who are giving us resources that I didn't have before, that I'm sure you didn't have before, that I don't know, I don't know where these exist anywhere. Right. Um, and these are things that I think will bring us back down to say, oh no, we all are here for the same purpose and that's love. Um, and that's this, this cycle, we're part of the cycle. Um, and if we show up for that, then um, it can be holistic, it can be whole, it can, can be complete, it can be that mandalic representation of a universe, one whole piece. Yes. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful note to end on. Thank you, Eric. That was just such a perfect way to, um, and I agree with you, I agree that the last couple of years and the fragility of life and what matters and um, the breakdown of even the breakdown of like supply chains and food not being available on the shelves. And, you know, we're seeing this, this, I think we're becoming more and more aware of where we've gone too far down the fancy road. People that are paying attention, you know, are, are really seeing that. And I, I love that you pointed out that we have beautiful new resources in things like the death wives and Beatrice cremation um, and we'll put links to all of all of the businesses and Eric's farm um, on this episode so that um, anyone can reach out to you guys. And the flowers that you grow, I just have to say this, the flowers grown at Half Moon Farm are spectacular. They get, they get wrapped in shrouds. They get like, oh, it's just, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then Eric welcomes grievers to come to his, his land, oh, right? So, so people who have lost their loved ones, they've opted for water cremation. So they probably don't have a traditional headstone to go visit, but they still need a place to go and observe that grief and that love. And he so generously welcomes them really any like with open arms to the gardens and they can just go there and appreciate the beauty and see the literal transfer of the person they loved into these massive blooms 
or like I reached out to him when I was grieving myself a few weeks ago, like he'll let people come and get their hands in, in the soil, which is very therapeutic for grief as well. Yes, yeah. I've done that. We even had um, an individual's uh, sister who came to the farm last week and she just wanted sunflower seeds that um, her sister had nourished. And um, it's really beautiful to see that I'm sure for the rest of this, this lifetime, this individual is going to be growing these blooms. and. Um, and that's her headstone. That's the headstone in the garden every year. And, um, you know, she got some for her brother and some of her family members. Um, and it's really, it's just, it's just, it's just really amazing. Um, it is amazing. And, and, you know, it's, I don't know all the answers and I'm sure Aaron and Lauren would say the same thing. It's like, we have to be vulnerable going forward and, and, and what we're doing and asking questions and saying, I don't know, this feels right. Or this doesn't feel right. Because, we're responsible. We're the pioneers of this, not just us, but human beings. We're in charge of our lives. We're in charge of our bodies. Um, we're in charge of these sacred temples that are here for, you know, sometimes a, a very short amount of time, but for sometimes a, a long time. And I know darn well, um, I won't be anywhere else, but in my purest form placed back into the earth. I love it. I yeah. love it deep bow to each one of you and Emily as well. Um, I just, I so honor the work that you're doing. I've loved Erin since the day I've met her. So that's just easy, but um, right. <laughs> you know, for the, all of you to do the work that you're doing and to, to tie this into such a, it's a cycle of life and death. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we should all be talking about that we should all be recognizing and um, you know, like Thich Nhat Hanh says, you know, uh, our ancestors are in our soil and you guys are the perfect level of education, awareness, giving people options, and then actually returning our ancestors to the soil and creating beautiful blooms from it. Um, I love all, everything about it. Thank you so much to each of you for being on the show um, and bringing this very, very important conversation um, into the mix of saving our earth we're separating the flavor just for this episode but you can think about that like do we really need to do that for now we do but the truth of the matter is that we are i love that eric talked about how we are the perfect composition of of fertilizer and um you know there's something to really be said for that and if we are a part of nature why wouldn't that be true so thank you all so much thank you thank you, thank you.